dough. Welcome to another edition of the Pixel Roll Podcast. It is Wednesday, September 30th, 2015, where we discuss the best basketball team on the face of the planet, your Washington Wizards. This is Adam McGinnis with me today, once again, live from the Skype machine, about three blocks away from where I live. Mr. Mr. Truth About It, Kawida. What up, bro? Mr. McGinnis, how you doing? We are uh, on the eve of the third day of training camp, and this is just big news. It, it is big. Uh, they're out there in uh, Towson, Maryland. But bef- before we get into that, uh, how, the, how the hell have you been? What's new in your world? New in the world is trying to take advantage of the last sort of holding on to the bits of summer, maybe warm weather. Of course, we, we might get a hurricane type weather this weekend so that i don't know if that's gonna help us out but you know otherwise just gearing up for the season and it hasn't fully hit me that we'll be watching pro basketball pretty soon but if you look at it the first preseason game is less than a week away it is next tuesday so that seems very quick but um we're all ready so yeah in six days we'll be uh yelling our tvs once again for uh, meaningless basketball before the real one starts. Yes, yeah, so, someone asked me if I was prepared for Yaquin, Yaquin, Yaquin. How do you pronounce the hurricane? It's Joe Kim Noah. Joe Kim Noah. And I said, well, it's if it's like Yaquin uh, Phoenix, who's very un- unpredictable, uh, who knows Who knows what will happen. Uh, I don't know if you remember his uh, ill-fated rap career, his hoax that he tried to do there years ago. But Yes, uh, I do recall <laughs> something of that and like a huge beard was involved in glasses perhaps very very weird uh, kind of like the his performance in the master but but no one really cares about that uh let's talk about your washington wizards two days ago while we're here two days ago uh the, the wizards met the new squad organized here on the verizon center for the 2015 media day it was my sixth media day i believe kind of this might be your seventh i wrote about it it felt weird to write that it's been six straight media days that i've been at could it be your seventh, a sixth? Yeah, maybe something like that. It, yeah, it's lost count at this point. Maybe that's a sad thing. Maybe that's a good thing. Yeah, you, you know, it, it had the feel. It, it's different because with the, the expectation of the team and now it's playoffs and before, it was kind of like, okay, who are half this new roster coming in? Who are the new draft picks? The, the Bradley Beals, the John Walls, the Seraphins, the Bookers. Who who are they bringing in? And now you're kind of like, oh, they just kind of add some pieces here and there and one rookie similar kind of makeup for most most of the core is still together which is kind of different than from years past what was your general observations of just before we get into the particulars of the actual event itself just your sense of when you went into this media day your mindset your mindset kyle that's what i always ask players your mindset what's your mindset kyle the good the mindset my mindset is uh i think this is this is still a team that genuinely likes each other yeah they might have you know, some issues now and then, but I think the one thing a lot of guys talked about and we sort of asked some of the guys about was that informal mini camp they got together uh, in Las Vegas, I mean, excuse me, Los Angeles, and and just sort of, you know, it wasn't even about, uh, you know, some sort of structure or anything. It's just, they just saw it as an opportunity to like to hang out and sort of get on the same page. And so I think we see a team that's, one, like you said, there's only four new guys, um, you know, aside from the, the sort of couple of guys that are invited for the training camp roster, but they really seem like a team that's anxious or, or excited to play a new style 
and they, although this is going to be a lot of new things to them, and it's going to be an adjustment for a lot of guys, I think there's there's an appreciation on the roster that they're doing it with, you know, some consistency and some guys coming back, and even some of the guys they added, like you know, Jared Dudley and Gortat seem to be uh, pretty good friends. Um, you know, Gary Neal has played with some of these guys because I think several of these guys on the Wizards have been ex-Bobcats. So, um, overall, you know, yeah, the team seemed refreshed, which is typical of most media days, but you do get a sense of, you know, it's not so much of an urgency to get past the second round or to exceed any sort of expectations, but it's sort of like this this new leaf they're turning. And so you can tell the, the guys are pretty excited about that. So, you know, why not? Well, it wasn't the circus in years past. Uh, the first one I covered, I wrote about this a little bit today. You know, the Gilbert Arena is coming back from the halfway house and the guns. And they didn't get rid of him. He comes back. It's John Wall's rookie year. And he's got the beard. And there's a thousand million people. There's a curtain. I think there's actually a photo I think you have, like your head peeking out behind the curtain, if I remember correctly. And just the whole the circus atmosphere of the vulturous media that kind of kind of continued over from the Gilbert story from, from the beginning and, and just how, how he was coming back. And, and every other year had a very different – with Blotch and McGee and, and, and even Jordan Crawford and, and John Wall coming up. And, and everything just had this goofy kind of feel. And it was yeah. – you know, and I hate to say that the mainstream thing, like, you know, I saw some of the stuff that people wrote is, like, very businesslike. And I, I don't know if it's very businesslike. I think you just touched on – it was just – the same core is just back. So there isn't this upheaval, so there isn't a different take. But the whole setup to me still is the same kind of weird feeling. And, and maybe just to pull back the curtain a little bit for the people, it, you know, it's called Media Day, right? And my main point, and I kind of touched on it a little bit, and it's called Media Day, but in reality, kind of now it kind of seems like whatever monumental has decided to get the players in one day so they can do a bunch of stuff that they want to produce f throughout the year for them and then oh by the way hey journalist uh here's a player over there to talk for five ten minutes <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah you know to your point about this being a different media day i think even others are like all right is andre blatch finally gonna turn a new leaf or is javel mcgee gonna be different and or are the wizards gonna make the playoffs i think this time around it's like oh we know beal and wall are good now how good will they be? And it's sort of the fun process of watching that. But yeah, it, the whole media day setup is interesting. It's, you know, it's held on the practice court in the Verizon Center. And I imagine that, you know, with the new practice facility a couple years down the road um, across the river, things will change a bit. But, but it, it feels like very much like a high school gym and like a, maybe like a science fair going awry where, the, the kids in their science projects are the stars, but they're just, you know, they just show up whenever they want to, and there's no sort of rhyme or reason um, to trying to get guys, because, you know, it's it's a lot of general, me there's a general media scrum, but then players have a whole, like, list, checklist of things they got to do, like green sh screenshots and one-on-one -on -one interviews with, like, Comcast, so there is, there's a lot to organize there, so there's some appreciation into it not being... Um, I think this year was a little bit better than years past. But, you know, it is also just an interesting mix when you go into the media scrum and there are all different types of outlets and different types of people. And I know it's all just 
you know, people like to look at it as just one sort of entity as the media, but there are really a lot of interesting personalities to observe amongst the people covering this team. And so, yeah, I mean, that's sort of what Media Day is all about, I guess. And, and it's, and yeah, we hear some, some silly questions, but I guess part of it is that, you know, when else are you going to ask some of this stuff? Oh, no, no, we'll get into the silly questions. I mean, I think Media Day is, is, is the best time for the silly questions, and us as bloggers, we like that. It's just sometimes you have to have a balance. <laughs> and when it, you're just asking questions that have nothing to do or you have done no research or you're not basing it off of anything you saw on their Twitter or Instagram, and you're just kind of right. just saying, hey, what does so-and-so say? And you're from Channel 4 Local News, and you're not going to be at a game the rest of the year, and, and you're elbowing me out while – to the left of me is some Spike TV celebrity show who basically gets more gets to ask more questions than I do. They literally had a station set up for a celebrity, celebrity reality celebrity, some show on Spike TV. They had uh, uh, a Twitter selfie set up for the team, which, by the way, the people who are from Monumental, I think they're good people. I think they're good dudes. I don't have anything beef about them. I just have the my annoyance is this thing called media day, which means that I feel like the media should be, I guess, the precedent. <laughs> and it seems like they're kind of the afterthought. And I know nobody really gives a shit about that. And that's fine. It's just that, oh, it's media day. That means you get to answer all these questions to the press. And well, in reality, they take all these pictures. And that's always been like that for, you know, the Jumbotron and NBA.com and ESPN.com. I get all that. But when I see uh, ch- a championship belt, I see a selfie stick. I see, uh, you know, a, a celebrity reality TV. I see Wiz Kids, who I really right. love, love these kids, and they're basically getting every player. Then you got Monumental TV, you got the radio, and it's what it, yeah. it, it just seems yeah, like they basically what happens when uh, Entity has its own, also has its own media company that covers itself. And so, I mean, this it's sort of interesting to see where it's all going, and you know, I don't think. I don't want to dwell on that aspect of Media Day because it is sort of a fun thing, but but it's interesting to see, like you like you say, it's interesting to see where it's going when there's now an explosion of different types of media. I guess my gripe is that like I feel like those people can have access to the players any day they want, and and and, and we don't. But anyway, so let's let's go on. So who did you interview? What, what was your takeaways from some of the players you interviewed? And and I'll I'll follow up after after you go. Um. Dewan Blair was an interesting interview and amongst all his other like side things like the the Funka Duck or whatever the the moped thing is that he was rolling in on um the Funky Duck he, actually yeah, the hoverboard the for the people wondering he it's the little thing that J.R. Smith rides around right yeah I've seen you know the kids are doing it but um he you know he see he was all talk about you know he was really honest about how negative he was thinking last year and then nothing totally came out but you can tell that there is a lot going on there's some things going on behind the scenes and that he was frustrated about you know never playing but he he's i guess he sees really with the departure of kevin seraphin like an opportunity to maybe really be that backup center who knows if that opportunity exists but you know he is one of the guys who sees a chance so that's good um martel webster was sort of back to his old charismatic charismatic uh expressive self he was really the last player interview um and we were wondering for a while like all right is martel going to show up but you know last year was really frustrating to him and he was also a little bit under a negative cloud with injuries and some things going on um and so i think he is 
he sees an opportunity to bounce back, especially being a guy who's a shooter. And if, if you know, like we saw with maybe Rasul Butler um, last year, even if a guy gets hot at the beginning of the year, you know, that helps. So I think he sees an opportunity. Um, you know, Gortat. Did you, I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt. Did you happen to see a Buck's tweet where he said Bartell had lost all this weight and looks all chiseled? Buck ants. I don't know if you saw yeah, that. Yeah, you know, I think he, <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny. And he's been working out. He said he got a new trainer. He was just like looking up trainers in Portland, and I need to go back and, um, you know, listen to what he said. But, you know, he got a new trainer that helped him. And, you know, Mar- Martel's real granola. So he's, you know, he was seemed to be a spiritually the Martel we know. So, um, so that's good. Uh, Gortat was all about his new Jersey number <laughs> to 13. And he was really big on this kind of being the big man, you know, being able to play as the only big man on the court. And it, he really like, you know, he's really the, you know, typical Gortat, very honest in what he says and not really a lot of filter, but, um, I think he's, and I'm sort of writing something about this now and sort of how the Wizards execute small ball, but Gortat's going to have a lot of, uh, he's got to back up a lot of talk now that he'll be, he'll have all this extra space to operate and, and be on the court, but um, he seems to also put some negative stuff behind him. I don't know if there's some off-the-court stuff. It's really a mystery if it was something to do with a girlfriend or whatever, but um, he seems to be uh, a little bit refreshed. And then, you know, we talked to others, but I think the the next, the last person that really stood out was Nene. <laughs> yes. That, um, you know, just when you kept expecting him to end his media session, he didn't. And he just talked with the media for, and you wrote, you wrote about this in your sort of media day rundown. He just talked for, for quite a long time, and he was happy to talk. And, you know, he once again, it was one of those things we sort of asked him about his summer and ask him about how he claims he never picks up or never touches a basketball for like months at a time. He wouldn't exactly say how long he didn't pick up a basketball for. Well, hold on. I think you specifically um, asked him that, right? You yeah, interrupted he, wouldn't, him. he wouldn't say that. He wouldn't comment on it. Um, I think he admitted to picking one or touching one uh, like two weeks before uh, media day when I guess some of the players are coming back. I think someone else has asked him like, all right, when, do, when did you, touch, you know, touch the basketball? Um, but otherwise, he seemed happy and refreshed, you know, spending time with, uh, you know, he's, he's got, he had some kids toward the end of last season, some twins, I believe, and he said he played a lot of soccer. So, um, I think... Well, well, the, hold, hold on to interrupt. Yeah. What, what, what's funny is that I, I literally interviewed, I have 11 minutes on my on my camera, which is like so long for Nene. I mean, he averages two to four minutes interviews at a time, right. if that, and that's every other game. And I go back and I'm interviewing someone else and I look over and he's still talking. And now that he's still talking, he's like, now they're asking him what, what positions in soccer that he plays. And now they're like breaking down soccer. And he's like, and then he's going over to the celebrity people with Spike TV and he's like posing for photos. He's like taking the belt. He was like ha- uh, hamming it up. And what I found interesting when I talked to him or when he mentioned something about, you know, once again, he doesn't pick up a basketball, doesn't do these things. Same kind of stuff he said last year. He's like, you know, because have the season and then the Olympics next year and blah, blah, blah. And then I came back to him. I was like, D- are you just committing to playing in the Olympics last year? Which has always been a thing with him. Right. right. And, then, and then he goes, no, no, I'm waiting till the end of the season. But then he goes, well, you know, the Olympics are in Brazil. I'm, I'm for sure going to play. And I was like, oh, you just yeah. said you're not confirming, but then now you're confirming. <laughs> he, he loves to be dramatic about it. That's one thing. I mean, he, he is a diva goes by one name, correct? Yeah. I mean, he changed his name to exactly. one name. But but anyway, to interrupt. So so what do you found about his like refreshing take? I mean, I felt like he was 
you know, his answers were totally an A. He just smiled and stuff. He didn't really talk about him moving to a backup role or being the backup big, right? Which yeah, is kind we, of the main story, uh, right? Know, we asked him a little bit about it. And, you know, when we asked him about, I think he was asked about maybe coming off the bench. And um, he sort of dodged the question, you know, like he sort of like, I think the, you know, essentially I think the coach will determine how to play and we'll get together and talk about it. And, it, you know, it's hard to really transcribe, but I think he says, uh, you know, but I think the formations are going to be the same. Um, and I'm imagining he might be alluding to the starting lineup. I'm still wondering if he will start or come off the bench or, or maybe things will change a lot. Um, but he seems willing uh, to do whatever. I mean, we'll, again, we'll see. Nene has a lot of pride and he's competitive. And these are things that he's even you know admitted on media day. But I also think um, he maybe he even learned something from you know, Paul Pierce in terms of preserving his body and is learning something from other NBA players who are doing this. And, you know, maybe you'll see him not playing a back-to-back here and there and that that will ultimately allow the Wizards to play more of those small lineups. But, you know, we're getting past... Um, who, else, who, who, else did you, who else did you get a chance to talk to? Ellen Anderson or Temple or... Uh, Humphreys, yeah, I, know you got, I know you got Humphreys too, right? Temple. Um, any, any takeaways from those interviews real quick? Let's see. I uh, know really the takeaway from Chris Humphrey's interview is that he, you know, did the highlight of summer was weightboarding. Like, <laughs> yes, so yes, yes. Did you get that out of it? Like, get... Maybe an Instagram about that. So that was great. Um, <laughs> I actually wrote that today that I was I regretted. I was not able to ask him about that. <laughs> yeah. So, he, yeah, it was, you know, he's very Chris Humphreys. He's, a, yeah. he's definitely a bro. Um, <laughs> the bros of bros. Alan Anderson just, you know, I did, uh, I recently posted sort of his player preview or what have you on the site. I mean, he just seems like a guy ready to fit in and confident that he'll play and can bring something to his team. I mean, he, he's not, he doesn't get into long answers. He seems to be like a pretty, you know, straight line guy with his answers. But, um, but he, you know, I think he'll be a good part of this team. Uh, and then who else did? And Garrett Temple was really like, I think that guy's going to be sort of an assistant coach or try to be in the coaching ranks one day. He seems like the guy who likes to study the game and sort of is very diplomatic about stuff. Um, so he was, he's always good to talk to. What I've noticed about Ellen uh, Nares' Instagram account, if you go to truthaboutit.net, uh, I have a post up and I spend a lot of time uh, tracking down every single player's uh, Instagram and uh, Twitter accounts. And on, and on Alan Nares' Instagram, I can see already he's – kind of hanging out with Beal and Wall a little bit already. I see a lot of photos of him. Uh, they went to Howard Homecoming. Him and It was him, Wall, and U- Ubre actually, at Howard Homecoming last week. I should not even know that. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, so, so what I'm saying is I got the football game itself. And, you know, yeah. as in to see a veteran maybe kind of maybe taking Ubre under his wing a little bit, and even Wall and Beal, even though they're the veterans, I mean, he's still older than them, right? I mean, sometimes people forget that. <laughs> you know, like a life experience kind of deal. Sometimes, like, and, and I know Beal, Beal and Temple are, are tight as well. Uh, yeah. Uh, so, anyone else? Did Did you get a chance to talk to Dudley? Or how about Whitman? Let's talk about Whitman real quick. No, I didn't get a chance to talk to Dudley. And, like, Whitman went, like, almost right away. And, uh, like, me and the guy from the Washington Times or whatever were just getting up to the scrum. I mean, he, you know, it, it was just sort of your standard Whitman isms. Um, know sort of ready to play small ball so he continues to 
put that talk out there that, you know, obviously the Wizards going to have to back up. And from all reports over the first two days of training camp, they've been trying a lot of new things. So um, I guess this is where his cult, his coaching chops are going to really come into play. Can you change a style and really institute it with certainly there's not a lot of roster turnover, but it's still hard to totally go to a new system. So how, how quickly will this integrate and how much change we'll see? Um, but, you know, it's, it's, uh, we, saw, we got a couple Whitman faces. I don't, I don't think we've seen our last of it for the season. And, um, you know, that's how Randy goes. Yeah, I got a chance to uh, interview Gary Neal basically one on one. You know, he's a, a Maryland Maryland native from uh, basically the Baltimore area. Went to Towson, which where's the training camp? So obviously, asked him that question. But it, but it, he kind of basically just gave answers as in, you know, I'm here to make buckets. Essentially, I'm here to make shots, and he wants to play with a player like Wall. I think he kind of made some Tony Parker comparisons and implied that he wants to play with a quick point guard that kind of sets people up and wall actually i think is 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 a little bit more of an assist guy than tony parker and then it was funny because i asked him straight up where you bulls fan growing up and he said yeah i've been a bulls fan my whole life and i was like who are your favorite players and he did not even he not even flinch dude he goes rod strickland and mitch richmond <laughs> even like because sometimes i've asked players they'll be like or jared jack or or ty lawson you know those are even oladipo who's younger he'll say gilbert arenas right and they'll be like right. oh blah, blah blah he was like no Rod Strickland and Mitch Richmond. It was funny because Ben Stanley of Comcast was like, Mitch Richmond? Nobody, yeah, nobody really says Mitch that. And it was like, nobody really says that Mitch Richmond for the Wizards, for the Bullets days. And also yeah. I asked him about his ticket situation. He's like, it was funny because sometimes we'll be like, you know, hey, so-and-so will hook it up or, or you know, I'll get my people. You know, oh, man, I'm going to cut them off. He's like, well, I got four. I'm going to get another four. And I'm going to get these. Like, he already had a plan all laid out. I thought it was pretty interesting. <laughs> that he already had, like, a game plan for all these people and all his family and friends. And he seems pretty excited about being in the area. And we'll see. I mean, it, I don't think he had a very good year with Charlotte, right, shooting-wise. And, and, and I'm going to actually write a piece on him coming up, which I, I'll preview, which I know you as the editor are waiting for that. Uh, and, and, and I got a chance to uh, get in Ubre scrum. I mean, he's – God, he's young. Jeez, Louise. God, like his hair and his face is just like. Well, I thought Beal was young when Beal was that was that age, but gosh, Uber just looks younger than Beal was when he's nineteen. Them younger and younger, man. Yeah, they really, really do. And 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 then Drew Gooden. Oh my God, WWE wrestler. This guy, he could be. He talked about yoga in, in Rockville. He's mad that they moved locations. He talked about. Uh, I thought the most interesting that he said, and I actually kind of quoted him today in my piece was that he thought that there was going to be so many free agents that he thought it was going to be a plus. That so many people know their role, are going to know their role, to that the collective team and how they play within the collective team is how that they're going to maybe succeed and get another job in the NBA. And I found that a very interesting take from where we kind of usually see it where people want to get buckets and get theirs because they want to you know, be attracted to free agency where he saw it as if there's because there's so many and there's just not a couple that it's actually collectively that they're all kind of in similar thing. And I thought that was a very interesting take. I had never really heard something like that. Yeah, that you know what? Martel Webster said something along those lines. And when you think about it, it makes sense. Yeah, it's traditionally been like, OK, guys are playing for a contract um, and, 
you know, the old days of general managers looking at, you know, strictly box score stats of, of, you know, points or rebounds or whatever, and they're sort of getting contracts predicated on that, and that's how agents argue. I think, you know, this is just the change in the game for the better we've seen is that players realize, hey, I'm, I'm going to make the money if I'm on a playoff team and I'm contributing to that. And another team says, oh, like, that guy was a winner in that locker room over there. Let's bring him to our team. Oh, and okay, there's some advanced analytics here too, and that's all gravy. But, you know, everything plays a role in how you assess a player. But that's, uh, you know, you're right that that's – it was a very interesting comment on Gooden's part, and it's interesting that, that Martel Webster – um, sort of in a similar situation, um, express the same sentiment. Yeah, you echoed the same. Yeah, because it, it's kind of like, well, hey, if you have eight or ten guys, the team does well, then there's going to be a value for you instead of like, oh, there's a couple free agents, you're on a bad team, but you got numbers, then, you know, you know, it's it's not as attractive right. maybe as, as there. Uh, how about Wall and Beal? Uh, you know, Beal was his usual self. I thought Beal's comment, obviously, that got the attention was about shooting more threes and trying to get to the rim. Yeah, um, and I think just from reading the article that where that originally came from, it was like a, a Bleacher Report article. Um, and if you know me, I'm not usually one to cite Bleacher Report, but you know they have actually reporters who are reporting from the Bleachers. Uh, that's neither here nor there. But yeah, the the main the gist of the article was that Beal's trainer um, Drew Hanlon, I think, who um, has a gym in Vegas. He watched a lot of film and sort of helped Beal realize some things that we've been, you know, a lot of, not just our side, a lot of sides have been observing all along. It's not only cutting down on those long twos, but really it's all about getting to the free throw line instead. And it's the space that Beal did not use, um, which made him settle for long twos. And part of was, you know, he, he has trouble finishing at the rim. Yeah, he, he sort of, Dwayne Wade's size, he can jump, but his arms aren't Dwayne Wade length arms, and so I think that factors into Beal having trouble finishing at the rim. But he he cited the very specific areas where it's very you know it's evident that he needs to improve. So I think I'm, I'm really excited to see what a summer of being equipped with that knowledge and working you know working to improve it, uh, what that will show in the court. I always felt like when he was saying those comments that that his trainer had actually read truth about it <laughs> had been reading like stuff that we had read for like wrote about him for like three years because <laughs> it was almost like verbatim like he was like oh yeah i need to get to the rim more and he stopped shooting long twos and he shoot more threes i'm like that is exactly what i wrote about you probably over and over in every game summary <laughs> well yeah ultimately it became such a thing that the, even national sites would you know latch on to it and talk about it so uh, maybe it would, it would, it's a good thing, something that was inevitable, uh, a thing that, you know, stats are used. And I, I think I asked Bill, like, you know, what led you on this course uh, to, to make this decision? He's like, well, the shooting percentage is pretty self-evident. And, and you, you you've asked players in the past, like, all right, do you, right, like, look at shooting percentages on different spots of the floor where you're strong, where you're weak? And, they're, you know, they'll say, like, well, I think I'm pretty good from every spot. And maybe that's the answer that's easy to give to the media. Maybe it's sort of that players are confident. They're, they're just going to deny that a spot on the floor might not be an ideal place for them to shoot from. But I think it's, this is, you know, we're continuing to see how analytics can help change the game for the better and sort of, you know, and it's not even just analytics. It's 
just that combined with watching film. Um, again, it's we don't we know that a two point a long two point shot is inefficient, but you also know when Bradley Beal is just sort of settling for a shot and not driving to the basket. So that's you know that's what this is all about. You know, I think it was very encouraging. I know. Shout out to Wizards Twitter. I know you were uh, very jubilant when you when you saw it, when you read these quotes uh, there online. John Wall, uh, we talked about Nene talked for 35 minutes. I think John Wall talked for seven, <laughs> which I found uh, some of the questions were really more ironic that they asked him. You know, he was he was kind of, you know, it's really hard because you have all the local news and the cameras and they want their sound bites of John Wall, the best player. And John Wall is a very energetic, funny dude. In front of the camera, he gets more analytical. And I appreciate that sometimes for basketball-wise. Sometimes I wish he had more personality maybe but especially in this kind of setting of a media day you know when i see him joking around with everyone the cameras come on and he's kind of you know give some stoic answers i didn't really get much about it i didn't really actually I, first time i've never not asked him a question at media day i believe uh what was your take of that i don't even know if you're in that scrum you know i was there for a second and i think i got a soundbite on him talking about playing small ball i think when I like talking to John Wall, and a lot of that is maybe toward the end of after games when there's not a lot of people around. I mean, of course, there's always a scrum around Wall, but getting in that question about like the game of basketball because he's very insightful. But when you get into these large sort of public scrums, it's just not a you know good situation to to or it's not just conducive to getting like the best answers from Wall, even though he is charismatic and you know he'll give some funny answers and say something like, well. You know, Kelly, I think the third question or the second question that was asked of him was someone asked him about a fashion rivalry with Kelly Oubre. And, and you know, Walden, you know, played it off. He's like, well, he needs to, you know, stop staying at my house. So, you know, it's it's good. I think, well, you know, we're just seeing someone who is embraced the role of leader and, and, and having attention on him but without being too much into himself. Uh, but if you really want to get good answers out of him, you'll ask him about basketball and not win. It's just sort of this circus of a media scrum. It's funny. you. Uh, what a segue there, Kyle, because we're going to go from John Wall to the worst questions you heard at Media Day. <laughs> you gave one of them. Uh, I gave, gave one of them. Something about the fashion robbery. Yes. Wall said there was no robbery. <laughs> yeah, what the hell? It's a good answer, okay? He's 19, living in my mansion. I make $150 million a year. This dude's yeah. 19 years old. You're talking about, you're talking about like um, an all-star starter and some dude wears shiny shoes in the draft. Do you think he's a better dresser than me? I mean, what kind of stupid-ass question is that? But keep going. Because um, Wall's answer was like, it's a rivalry? Like, you call it a rivalry? I, I didn't know it was a rivalry. <laughs> That was one of them. I really tried to like tune out uh, some of the other ones. I know you had a you had a couple. Oh, I have a couple. One is the uh, the Bryce Harper John Papelbon fight happens. Okay, a Nats uh, fight, yeah. right? Okay, two people. One asked Jared Dudley, uh, Frank Hanrahan, and and the only reason he asked him, and I'll give Frank Hanrahan credit on this one because he because Dudley had tweeted about it. So I'll right. give you credit. Yeah. I'll give you credit that he had tweeted somebody because then it's like okay, you tweet about it. Then I'll let you. So then he gave an answer about, you know, what's it like being on a team with people fight. Give an answer. <laughs> but then when the same woman who asked the fashion question asked Nene, the Brazilian dude, really? He doesn't even watch TV. I, mean, I don't know if he even knows yeah, that baseball exists. Last, <laughs> he, I mean, even Otto Porter might know a lot more about random events like that one random event than Nene. Then Nene's like, oh, talking about boxing. He's like, oh, I haven't seen it. Uh, yeah. I think the uh, – 
the other one that, that that really upset me, I guess, would uh, the same person was like, so Wall, what have you worked on this this year? So Wall talks about how he's worked on his floater, he worked on his post game, he worked on his slot shot selection and his three point range. So he finishes it, and literally the person right in front of him goes, "So Wall, what have you worked on this summer?" And I was like, "What the hell have you been listening to? Like, like you haven't moved. Like the scrum is so intense. Like the person is like." I, it's a wall just wall instead of being you know walls diplomatic because I, I would have been like yo mother mofo i just asked <laughs> just asked the same question and so wall just literally just repeated the same answer over and over i was like man you're nicer than me and then yeah, the, that's the one thing about media day sometimes there's an overlap of players not that that happened in this situation because people were there but you know you'll get into a scrum toward the end and you're like hoping that some so-and-so player hasn't already been asked about xyz so there there's definitely some crossover but yeah even worse when it's one of those sort of generic questions like that well what annoyed me is like i don't know what you're saying like when you go to scrum to scrum they've already been going and they probably already asked your question but this is straight up like no one's leaving this scrum right they're in the middle and like they just literally asked the question right to the left of them but anyway, we're getting too meta here into the scrum. Uh, my other one, I think, is Paul Pierce. I'm so ready to kill Paul Pierce. I mean, I love Paul Pierce, and it's great, and I understand that that's a topic, and they have to ask Paul Pierce about leaving, and this is this is it. But I am just so tired of Paul Pierce questions. Because <laughs> in reality, it's like, yeah, Paul Pierce is great. He made all these shots, and I know it's big shots, and I know it's like a mainstream kind of thing. But in reality, you know, I know it's a leadership questions kind of thing, but – I'm so tired about everyone asking about Paul Pierce to every single player. And I know it's just like a, a, a decent question where people are like, it's a safe question, right? Like I get it, but it's right. just kind of like after you hear it over and over, I'm just, I'm just done with Paul Pierce questions. It's not a stupid one. I'm just annoyed by the Paul Pierce questions. I think <laughs> is it maybe media day was the, the, time the last one. The rest, Cause at what point does Paul Pierce clippers enemy? because yeah, clippers, that's it, right? Clippers, it's Blake Griffin. I mean, he's, he's been, Twice, two more times, a, right? A villain. You've had a post about how Blake Griffin sort of was a villain for the Wizards for a while. And I know, like, Wall and Chris Paul have gone at it. And even though, you know, Doc Rivers and Randy Whitman played together and they're sort of, you know, boys or whatever, I, you know, you certainly know they want to win against each other. So I think maybe after, you know, I know the, I think the Clippers come to D.C. in their first meeting on December 28th. Um, so that'll be Paul Pierce's return. Uh, it, it, but maybe, you know, as soon as media day is over, it's done and passed. Paul Pierce should be considered the, the enemy at this point. A lot of, a lot of storylines there. You got San Quisel, you got Randy Whitman and, and Doc Rivers being best friends. Paul Pierce coming back. John, Austin John, Rivers. Austin Rivers, John Wall, John Wall, and Chris Paul, uh, break Griffin being the enemy that everyone hates still to this day, especially Trevor Booker. You know, what's up cookbook? Uh, JJ Reddick from Duke, you have to give that shout out. Oh, always. JJ Reddick, everyone in this whole city still hates him, you know, especially every Terrapin fan. I, I, uh, yeah, I think that's it. Uh, let's let's go. Uh, we're we're gonna wrap it up real quick. I, I gotta get going. I know you got your uh, wifey uh, coming in from New York. She's she's coming in from the work trip. True. Yep. Yeah, the truth about it, right there, right? Uh, yeah, I got I gotta I gotta go get going myself. So let's just give uh one one thing on training camp because we're going to do another podcast here on training camp it's been day two of training camp just your overall sense of what you want to look at we had a plan to go through the talking points but just give me a an outset of your feel of what you're kind of want to get uh out of the next few days here and uh they're playing in Tau they're in towson uh, university so you know that's not very 
they're very close to where it's cl- close, but uh, I, me and Kyle have no cars, so uh, it's difficult for us to uh, attend. <laughs> um, yeah, and then actually, training camp will be back in the Verizon Center. What on Friday or Thursday? Oh, it is. A couple of days. Yes. Yeah, so okay. I shit, it, it, I didn't even know that. Had, there was some sort of. I'm a terrible training. podcaster. Yeah, there's some sort of previous engagement at the, the SCCU Center <laughs> on the campus of Towson University. And, um, and so, yeah, they'll be back at the Verizon Center. But I think, you know, to answer your question, um, it's hard. You know, they've done, from what we've heard out of camp, you don't you never go to a training camp, you know, media session and see anything uh, aside from free throws for the most part. Now, I'm certainly, I'm sure they'll have somewhat of an open scrimmage um, through that. Uh, at some point, but I'm really interested to see next Tuesday they'll face off against the 76ers and how will the small ball they've been working on, how will that show up on the court and sort of what players, um, what sort of lineup combinations, because, you know, Randy Whitman's not going to give everything away and he's going to test out different things, but it will be interesting to see the testing process and what uh, what players he's going to try to work um, try to work on the court together. Yeah, I thought it was interesting that the, they tweeted out about they were putting, like, squares on the sides, it looks like, to maybe where they're kind of going to shoot some threes outside the three-point yeah, line. Yeah, like a spacing drill of where, like, spots where or zones where guys need to be, and then, you know, obviously Which, everything's flexible or whatever, but it was definitely a three-point oriented. Someone tweeted out a picture of it. It was definitely a three-point oriented Thing. And I think Jorge actually, Jorge actually, the beat writer from Washington Post actually asked Whitman about that. You know, of course, Whitman was very revealing, meaning he didn't say a fucking word about it. Right. <laughs> it was like, how dare you ask me about what's on my practice schedule, which I which I thought was a typical, typical Whitman, and I, I actually don't blame him. I, 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 to me, I think the small ball thing, you know, I get it. It's a talking point. Sometimes I'm, I'm I get annoyed once again about the, the, the stretch four kind of stuff. But what, to me, I think it's just health. I, I think everyone's got to stay healthy. And I would like, I'm kind of, you know, you got, you're still looking at Jared Dudley coming back, Webster coming back. I'm, I want to see if Webster can contribute anything. What does Dudley eventually have? And does Kelly Oubre crack any of this rotation whatsoever? And, and can he play defense? Because we showed some defense that he played in summer league. And, and it seems like he has a good attitude, uh, even though he has flash and crazy hair and it looks like he's, can't buy cigarettes or drive but i uh, you know i i think those are key and i think the rest of it is just going to be you know preparing for the season because it's going to be a long haul and, and just kind of picking the spots I, I don't think they really should show much here in training camp or, or the preseason honestly right oh uh, yeah well it's it's here and you know i think that they'll certainly want to get off to a strong start like last year and, and what's in the back of their mind which is going to be months and months of growth away is can they finish the season well and sort of be consistent uh, from start to finish. So is there anything that you have preview coming up on Truth About It that you should let the uh, listeners know? Uh, I'm still trying to unpack some various stuff from Media Day, but uh, definitely the small ball conversation is worth having, at least in, in considering different skills of the big men and how they might, how having one big man on the court might uh, help the team execute offense better. So that's one thing. Of course, there's always, you know, various other player previews and stuff that we'll be rolling out uh, over the next several days. I know um, Rashad is down in Orlando right now working on some uh, some TAI stuff. 
and uh, we have Troy Halliburton's preview of Auto Porter coming out pretty soon. So, um, yeah, we're, we're, the Wizards are rolling, and we are rolling as well. All right, dude. We're back. Uh, thank you so much for everyone to uh, listen to us. This is the quickest one we've ever done. We're going to try to do these more often. Uh, Kyle, man, you have a good night, dude. We'll talk Likewise, soon. Man. All right, peace out, bro.